It's four o'clock. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley. I'm joined in the studio today by the lovely Madeline Slack, who has just written uh, an amazing book, and uh, it's called Standing Strong in Vulnerability. Can't say the word vulnerability. So uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome, uh, Maddie, to, Thank the, to you. the show. Lovely to have you here. Lovely to be here. Um, We'll be talking about the book shortly, but I'm going to start off with uh, one of the songs that you've actually chosen, Search for the Hero, and um, I think the the, uh, the, the topic alone that um, you've written about, uh, you certainly are the hero, so uh, let's have them people search for the hero. So, a very big welcome, uh, Madeline, to the show. And um, you've written a book called Standing Strong in Vulnerability. So, I can say it now, I've been practising. <laughs> so, uh, how how did you get to write a book on such a, um, uh, a sensitive topic? In fact, I should mention here to any listeners that um, it, the, the, the topic is about sexual abuse. So, if you are affected at all, there is a, a Samaritan's number which is um, 116-123. So um, mm. if you are affected at all by anything that uh, Maddie's going to be talking about, um, in fact, the whole show um, is about abuse of one kind or another. We do have a pre-recorded interview a bit later on uh, with a lady who, who also has a story. So, um, Maddie, let's, uh, let's get back to you. So you've written this amazing book and it was published in September this year. It, well, August... Um, yeah, no, it, it, the um, the actual official launch of the book was on Saturday, so the last day of August in actual fact. Um, but the question was, how did I come to write um, such a sensitive story? Um, and that purely is because I um, am a survivor of abuse. Um, my journey, my experiences of abuse started when I was um, just aged seven, um, which essentially went on to affect the rest of my life to the point um, at the age of 28, I literally had a breakdown. Um, I was mum to three boys, trying my best to um, be the best mum that I could to them um, and was. Thankfully, I had lots of support as well, but found myself in a very challenged position where I thought actually I'd got postnatal depression and um, learnt that it wasn't that at all, it was the effects of my history catching up with me essentially. Um, fast forward another 18 years from the age of 28 to now 46, um, I'm a counsellor myself having had lots of counselling um, and a goal of mine was to reach out to um, as many people as possible and support them in a way that I had been. So initially I was um, doing that on a face-to-face -face basis and continued to do that, but I really wanted to find a way to reach out to more people. And a book was something that I'd kind of wanted to do for a while. Um, and last year it just kept coming up to the fore and I knew that it was time to actually get my story written down. So I started the process in May last year and the book charts my um, journey through growing up, through counselling, and then um, into that of becoming a counsellor myself. And that's kind of where we're up to. Right. Okay. So that's that, that's an awful lot to talk about. So uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> oh, 
gosh. <laughs> Should we start where we are now, working backwards, or start from the beginning, or in the middle? Where where, where would you be more yeah, comfortable? You, uh, any any of those things. But I mean, if you want to start where we're at, that's fine, and we can work our way back. Yeah, let's yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So so you're a, you're a counsellor. I am, and I'm presuming, like most people who've been on the show, you've become a counsellor through being helped yourself by counselling completely okay yes so that does take us back a little bit um and it's that's probably a better place to start so um at the age of 28 when I found myself um really struggling and having no clue really as to why I was the happiest I ever could have been I'd got a loving husband three beautiful little boys um and yet life was becoming very challenging and very much a struggle um, to the point that I knew I needed to seek out some help and support. Um, thankfully, I um, knew a lady local to me who was a counsellor. Um, she invited me to come along and speak to her, of which I did. Um, and as I say, that was at the age of 28. And it was a step in a very difficult but life-changing direction. So with the help of her, through my counselling journey, I was able to realise, become aware of how the effects of my past were um, affecting all and everything that was going on in my life as it was then. So the ripple effects of the abuse were just literally rolling out into my life as it was, but I just didn't know that. Um, so I learned a lot about myself at that point and six months later came out the other side of that. Um, not that that was my only experience of therapy. I've had ongoing therapy on and off for the last 18 years because it's such a fantastic space to be. Um, but yes, essentially that led me into making the decision to become a counsellor myself two years after I started that journey and what a journey and what a privileged role it is to be a counsellor. What kind of counselling do you specialise in, Maddie? I mean, I do generic counselling, four years working in the NHS, um, sort of that really. So I was very honoured to work with a whole range of uh, different and diverse issues. But essentially, a lot of the work that I've done, as you might expect, has been around sexual, sexual abuse. Um, and not just for women, I work with men as well. Um, I've spent over a decade in an organisation, a fabulous organisation. Um, if I'm allowed, am I yes, allowed to yeah, mention that organisation? Yes, um, SV2, uh, based in Derby. Um, such a fabulous organisation that support men and women that have um, experienced any kind of sexual abuse or rape at any point in their life. So I spent over a decade working with them and working with a whole range of clients that were struggling with their experiences of abuse just as I had myself some years previously. So that's the main thrust of the work that I do, to be fair. So before I forget to uh, to ask you, I'll, I'll, I'll um, try and remind me at the end of the programme, but mm -hmm. how, how do people get hold of you, Maddie? Um, well, I'm on... Um, there's a, fa a Facebook group um, that I've got, which is Madeline Ann Counselling. Um, also, I run a, an online platform called Sassy that supports all women who've been sexually abused on there. Um, but also, there's a website called the Counselling Directory. Um, 
and actually you can get hold of any qualified counsellor on there for whatever area you live in but for anybody who lives near me then they can certainly find my details on there and are free to contact me should they wish to receive any future counselling. So that's the counsellingdirectory.co.uk. That's right. And you're listed under there as Madeline Slack? Madeline Slack, yes. Okay, brilliant. Fantastic. Um, well, the last song, or the first song we played was uh, M People, um, yeah. Searching for the Heroes. So why did you choose that one? Because I think we're all, we all assume that what we're looking for or um, exists outside of ourself or it's another person that's actually got the answers or is perhaps you know as we compare ourselves um is the hero that we're looking for and don't get me wrong we all need a support network and there's some great resources out there and great people that support who we are and where we're at but in actual fact the real hero that you're looking for is within yourself um and Sassy stands for superheroine sexual abuse survivors smashing it because actually the survivors that have actually got this far in life and come through what they've come through, they are great superheroes in my eyes and actually all of what they need they've got right within themselves. Sometimes we just need somebody else to help us tease that out. Absolutely. And Sassy, how are you spelling the, the acronym Sassy? Is double S A double s i okay sassy yeah, yeah. and that's on facebook website it is, it's um a facebook page and i've got an instagram account as well and that's um i think that's sassy underscore superheroines um that's how you can find me on there and and all that i put on there is just some posts around my own story quotes insights just to help develop people's awareness and support and acknowledge where people might be in their journey through recovering from sexual abuse. Okay well uh, we'll come back to you in a moment we're just going to have another one of your choices Martina McBride A Broken Wing Mm. Uh, probably doesn't need much explanation with that song title but but give us one. Go on then um it fits with the story of my book, really, that even though we might feel vulnerable, even though we might have a broken wing, we can still stand strong in that, or i.e. we can still fly despite um, whatever's happened that perhaps creates a sense of brokenness. OK, here we are, Martina McBride, A Broken Wing. Stuart, uh, uh, Misha and Stuart, absolutely fabulous. So... Um, that was a lovely song that you mm. chose there from Martina McBride, Broken Wing. And uh, we were saying when uh, the music was playing, there's so many different ways that music mm. moves us, isn't it? Mm. And do you, do you find that, do you use music at all in any of your counselling or any, do you recommend any music for people who are in recovery? I don't personally recommend music to them, but what I do recommend is for them to use their own choice of music to... Um, enable whatever it is that they need in the moment so if that's kind of um to feel a bit more uplifted than what they do to choose something according accordingly and within their own style or if they actually just want to sit and be quiet with um emotion that they're feeling you know there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in fact it's a great thing and sometimes music can actually support the emotion that we're feeling and enable the release of that which is always a good thing so I do recommend music 
from their own style and yes, to listen to that yeah. for whatever purpose it might serve them in uh, any given time. Yeah, and there, there's so many different styles, aren't there? Mm. I, I love uh, opera music, mm. but if I'm driving along and I hear particular opera singers, um, I have to pull over because I'm, I'm absolutely sobbing my heart out because yeah. it reminds me of my dad. And, right. you know, you were yeah. saying, you know, the release of emotions. It's mm. really important, isn't it, to release our emotions um, because if so. our re- emotions aren't released, they then get retained in us and it, it can cause stressful situations, inflammation and uh, more more problems than we started with. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was just talking about this earlier, how physically um, we our physical health impacts on our mental health, but equally our mental health, our emotional well-being impacts on our physical health well-being there isn't there's nothing more sure than that no and you, you can't separate them can you and not it's, at all we're a whole being it seems mm. ridiculous that we're only now in society talking about the mind-body connection um mm. you know how many thousands of years have we existed <laughs> and, and it's it's bleeding obvious isn't it it's it's you know it's, it, it is if it wasn't so sad it'd be laughable you know but uh, there we go so so let's go back to your story maddie so yeah. um you you had this um uh, serious uh situation happened to you from the age of seven mm. um how, how long did it go on for and and how how did it manifest what what's without sort of uh, being blunt about it sensitive but um i think a point to make here as well that that it's okay for you to address me like that because of the work that i've already done on myself now perhaps if you'd have done that um 18 years ago there's no way that I'd have been able to have this conversation so it's really important for people to be aware that we're all at different stages of our journey yes um and mine's I'm 46 so it's been um in answer to your question it started age seven so it's been going on for a long time but the if you want the healing process from that has been going on for 18 years which is a long time um so I'm okay with straightforward so it, yeah, the abuse started at the age of seven. Um, I I couldn't actually remember that it was the age of seven. It was my brother that uh, found that out for me. It felt like a really important part of the jigsaw for me to kind of have a timeline, if you want. Um, so at the time, as I went through therapy and disclosed to my brother, um, it was my dad that was the perpetrator. He um, confronted my dad and who admitted to it um, and he also gave me the piece of the jigsaw so he told told my brother that I was seven um, and the abuse went on until I started secondary school so just before I started secondary school so age 10 slash 11. Um, how it manifested then it was just a struggle through school I didn't know who I was how to fit in how to be that in itself um, gave me many challenges in terms of social groups I didn't know which group I belonged to I didn't particularly feel like I belonged to any by all accounts um so school was challenging certainly had no headspace for exams so GCSEs were out of the window uh, I didn't have the capacity to even revise for these exams never mind about pass any so the only one I scraped through with was English because I always loved the English language and writing and reading that had been an escape for me, actually, reading as I was growing up. And then um, into being a, a young adult and then a young mum, it began to manifest itself in uh, kind of just my struggle to um, 
really know who I was or how to be. I realised that I, I, I never really felt a full part of my own story and that perhaps sounds a bit way out and a bit odd, but it, as though, I don't know how to explain it, as though I was almost an outsider looking in and yet I'd got the best family, a lovely safe home, great husband, beautiful children, but I just knew that I, was, I wasn't I was able to enjoy them in a way that I should. Um, and then as the, I'd got twin boys, as they came on the scene, um, the struggle became more, the demands became more, um, and I just didn't have the capacity for the demands of three young boys. This is where I felt then I'd got postnatal depression, and sought out some therapy, thank goodness. Um, and that's where life took on, it, it was a pivotal moment in time and took on a whole new direction. So did you know at this point, when you when you had therapy, were you aware that you'd been abused? Yes, in, in, in short. Um, but I wasn't aware that it was... What happens with abuse often is it's minimised. The reason we do that, there's a good reason that we do that, it helps us to cope with it, mm. to manage it and put it into a place where we actually don't have to look at it because who'd want to? And actually the reason that most of us don't want to look at it is because it's far too painful, um, it's far too traumatic. So very often you'll hear people say, oh, I've dealt with that or I just put that to the back of my mind, which is exactly what I'd done too. Um, and when I went into therapy... It, that was not the first thing that I mentioned. It was about four sessions in that I actually, as I began to peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak, that there was no de denying then that I was facing into this truth, this event that had happened in my life that actually there was no getting away from. And I realised at that point the significance of the experiences of abuse and that it was that that was actually causing me the current issues that I was feeling. Gosh, mm. so it must have been quite something for the counsellor as well to realise that they had helped you to peel the layers back, mm. as you as you describe, um, because it is you know we 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 are complex beings and there are lots yes. and lots of layers. And the older we become, the more layers we build up. And very often yep. people are plying the layers on without dealing with the the kernel of whatever a, a problem is or maybe hadn't recognised that, that the problem was there in the first place so yeah absolutely um, and we don't know what we don't know no exactly when I mean, we don't know we don't know the words do we we don't no. know that the the extent of what's happened to us um mm. and how it links to our present life you know re regardless of what what the situation is but you but you described so to describe just then an event it wasn't an event wasn't it you, it must have been a series of events oh, you was. said from the age yeah. of kind of seven to ten yeah uh, ten eleven sort of age yeah so it must have happened more than once oh absolutely this this kind of rolled on consistently from the age of seven right through to the age of ten eleven so several years of um being you know being at the hands of a perpetrator where you've got no control no understanding of course of what's happening um, because it's out of your realm of understanding, as it should be at that age, um, and a helplessness um, that you just don't know kind of what to do with. So, And that that is kind of at the crux of abuse, you know, that sense of powerlessness, which is an awful situation for anybody to be in, even as an adult, to feel powerless. But 
especially for a child where they've got nowhere to turn and no understanding of what it is that's actually going on for them and to them. You mentioned a brother. Do you have any other siblings? Yeah, there's um, three older brothers that I've got. I'm the youngest. Um, my brothers are um, four, five and eight years older than me. So the the brother I referred to is just four years older than me. Um, and we, we're all, we all get on and we're all quite close, actually. But um, possibly because he's the youngest one, I don't know. But we seem to just have a bit more of a connection and he's a huge support for me. Um, and, and upon disclosure of this, he couldn't have been any better. So were you, was your family kind of a, on the outside looking in and normal normal day-to-day family oh gosh yeah we lived in um a lovely village very rural setting um my dad was uh almost like um a pinnacle of the community he'd got his own business um we would we were very much just an average family getting on with life that's certainly how it would have looked anyway from the outside so nobody else apart from you and your dad was aware of what was going on exactly so living in that secretive silent abusive um experience home is just devastating in its own right and i think that's why i'm so um passionate about breaking down those walls of silence because in actual fact the beliefs that we actually build about ourselves when you're going through experiences like that that you then take into adulthood if we don't break the walls of silence the beliefs about ourselves usually which are very negative and untrue we take on into our adult life and beyond so in actual fact the passion for me about breaking the myths and the silence um, through my own story with a view to enabling other people to not necessarily do what I've done, that's a very personal choice, but to certainly begin to be curious about themselves and to hear um, a different perspective about abuse and um, the the effects of such a trauma, because that's what it is mm, in your huge life. Huge trauma. Yeah. Is, is your dad still alive? He isn't, and it's a great question, um, because that's not straightforward either. So... Two weeks after making the disclosure of the abuse to my family, this was several months through my own therapy, um, two weeks after disclosing the truth of what had happened to me, to my brother, and then to other family members, my dad actually committed suicide. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So that was another um, massive event and um, situation, if you want, that added complexity to an already difficult, complex situation. Wow. Yeah. What, um, what, is your mother still alive? She is, thankfully. Um, my mum is just the most incredible woman and was just flattened by the news of this. Um, and as, uh, upon hearing and realising what had happened, her alliance, if you want, was immediately to me. Um, and the devastation for her to realise that actually... The husband she thought she knew was not that at all. Um, and also, more importantly, from a maternal place for my mum, to realise that her daughter, um, her baby, if you want, because our kids mm. are always our kids, aren't they? Mm, absolutely. Um, had been put through this and been suffering and struggling all of these years and she'd been completely oblivious to it, of which she felt 
terrible about it wasn't her fault it, you know it's down to the perpetrator and the perpetrator only but she is still around and I'm so grateful for that she's a, a great woman and has she received counselling? I mean, not only did she hear the news of what happened to you, but mm. she also lost her husband through suicide. She I mean, did. good gracious me, you, yeah. you couldn't throw much more at a person, could you? Than, no, not than at that. all. No. Um, I, she's never told me that she has. I guess that's a very personal thing to her. Mm. So from my place of um, understanding, the answer is no to any uh, official counselling, so to speak. Um, but she may have done that she's just not told me about. I'd find that hard to believe, actually. I think she would have told me. I think, though, what she will have done is received incredible amounts of support from her support network. So my mum's uh, part of a church in uh, our hometown um, and got a, an incredible support network around her so I don't doubt that she's actually used that to its fullest um, and nth degree I ha I'd like to think so anyway do you do you talk openly with your with your mum yeah we do we've got a very good honest and genuine relationship very connected and very close we share the same humor as well which also helps um, but yeah we do talk about this and she couldn't be more proud of the fact that she's got a daughter that's a counsellor that now helps other people um, and also that has got her own book and she was one of the first people to read it. Um, so we, we are able to discuss very genuinely uh, our feelings around it, share our emotions about it um, and also spend time just with each other and also we have our laughs, not so much about that but we do have our la laughs which is also very healing. Brilliant. Mm. Very, very, um, very fortunate to have that relationship. Not, not, not yeah. everybody does. Um, okay. The uh, the next song is uh, Yaz. The only way is up. Great. So the only way is up. So after that uh, harrowing introduction, uh, Maddie. So what? Um, what? Oh, when? No, start again. Okay. <laughs> so, so from seven till ten or eleven years old, mm. you were going through this awful situation with your dad. Mm. What what happened to stop it, or what, or why did it stop? Did, you know, with, with presumably with in hindsight, you, you might be able to come up with an answer. But at the time, did you did you know why it stopped? I absolutely do. I know how it stopped, but I don't know. Or should I say, I know why it stopped, but I don't know how I kind of arrived at this place to have it stop. So I'll tell you what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. It's all in the book, by the way. Um, this there's a, a part that I explain out this um, I was quite well developed kind of hit puberty very young um, and I also wonder if that's as a result of being sexualized too mm -hmm. early in up by yes, all accounts yeah. I'll never know that for sure but I do wonder on that idea mm -hmm. um, so I actually um, started my periods very young and at the age of uh, 10 or 11 my dad um, did what he always did and that was make an inappropriate move into uh, my bedroom as, a, as it was late and I'd gone to bed and this was the pattern that happened um, and he was gonna do what always happened and I actually I actually said no and this this no I have no idea where it came from 
but it came from the depths and I said it in a way that I absolutely meant. I couldn't I couldn't believe how it actually came out of my mouth. So it was kind of a, an energy force that just took over. And I don't know whether that's because um, maybe I was on a period. I don't know. I've not got that kind of memory about mm. it. Um, but an, but anyway, I said no, and that was that. My dad turned on his heel, left the uh, my bedroom, shut the door, and never came back. Now the thing is, I never, I never really knew that he wouldn't come back. I only knew that he'd left that night. So the anxiety still continued about if this abuse was actually going to continue um, as it had, but it didn't. And so from that day onwards, it never happened again. So that is how it came to its conclusion. Gosh, so, yeah. so your bravery speaking out yes. brought, brought things to it. So, so was this it every did. night? Was, was this, a, a, you know, was it kind of, did your mum go out on a certain night of the week and this is, you know, when things happened? Yeah, no, it was... Um, Consistent as in several times a week. Gosh. Um, but it was never... Um, because I was quite a bit younger than all of my brothers, when I went to bed, they were still either up or out. Um, so I don't know what what excuses my dad made to actually go out of the room for however long you went out of the room for. Um, but that that happened in the secretive nature of our home in my bedroom and um my brothers if they were in they'd have all been just downstairs completely oblivious to the fact that this was happening right under their nose essentially so how was the relationship with your dad you know on a day-to-day mm. basis like normal father-daughter relationship outside of this situation well, sadly, not that I've got memory of this, but apparently I was very much a, a daddy's girl up until th- this point, really. Um, my mum tells me how when I was very young, when dad left for work, I used to cry. Um, when I heard his van come round the corner, I used to run outside to meet him. This was all pre-abuse, um, and I don't have any memory of that at all. Um, so I, I was very much a daddy's girl very early on. Um, but then as the abuse happened, um, I began to, obviously I'd lost trust for this person because this person who I had in, trusted implicitly as you are meant to be able to at this point, um, I hadn't got that trust for anymore. So I didn't know who he was, what he stood for, and I actually began to um, not just fear him but dislike him as well. Um, and that grew in as I became a teenager. The abuse had, had stopped by this point, but my hatred for him actually grew as the years went on. And, you know, if he'd have said on a sunny day that it was a beautiful sunny day, I would have disagreed with that. Mm. And if he'd have said black was white, I would have disagreed with that. So any any angle that I could get in to disagree with him or wind him up or whatever, I would have. But as a person, he was very um, unpredictable. He, If he'd had a bad day at work, then the dark cloud came in with him and he was um, very um, quite aggressive in his, in his way, not physically, but in his way. So living with him just as him as a person was actually very difficult. It wasn't a nice or easy guy to be around by any means. 
who gave you away when you got married? My dad. Because at this point, nobody knew. So, um, and, and I certainly wasn't in a place to um, disclose at that point that this had happened. But it was a very conflicting day because I didn't want him to give me away. I didn't like the fact that he was giving me away. I certainly didn't like being left in the house with him, just me and him waiting to kind of head off to the church beforehand. So what should have actually been one of the happiest days of my life, which it was in many respects, because mm. I married my husband that I'm still with today. Um, but it was a very conflicting um, experience and moment, that's for sure. Goodness. Yeah. Let's have some more music. So this is um, Gloria Gaynor, I Am What I Am. Bye. You're listening to Perfect Health with Elaine Godley and I'm in the studio today with the lovely Maddie Slack who's written an amazing book called Standing Strong in Vulnerability. It's a personal account of recovery from sexual abuse. Maddie, I presume it's available on Amazon? It is, yeah. Um, it's available as a paperback or Kindle version. Marvellous. So yeah. people would search for Standing Strong in Vulnerability. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Either the title of the book or my own name and it'll come up on Amazon. Brilliant. Okie dokie. And you're Madeline Slack. Um, yes. Your professional, <laughs> your, your Sunday name. Yes, exactly. Okay. So we've been talking about your um, horrific uh, situation with your, with uh, sexual abuse and, and your dad and mm. um, also his subsequent suicide yeah which uh, is a, a massive massive uh, bolt uh, to your family and particularly your your mom mm. um anybody uh, listening to this um who needs to um speak to somebody there are counselors who are available on what's the site imagine remind me the counseling directory um and yeah they're, they're all qualified on there and literally put your postcode in and wherever you live the nearest counselors to you will pop up you can read their profiles and contact them should you need to. Okay, that's ca the, the counselling directory.co.uk. Yes. yes. And of course, there's uh, Samaritan's number, which is 116 123 if anybody needs that. So, so getting back to your story then, uh, Maggie, what, um, what prompted you to, to, to write? Because you've, you've said that you've been in counselling yourself. Mm, uh, you yeah. are a counsellor, but you've been still receiving um, counselling for 18 years. Yeah. Um... Obviously, the initial counselling started at the age of 28, which is where the abuse came, came to the forum, was revealed and disclosed. Um, then, as um, part of my counselling training, you have to have mandatory counselling. So I had several hours through um, both my um, diploma in counselling and then uh, my master's. You have to have therapy, which is a great thing. Um but then I choose ongoing to have therapy on and, not, on and off. Um, it's just a fantastic space to just keep on top of um, any issues that are raised or, you know, even today sometimes, it doesn't happen so often, but sometimes I'm sidelined by a trigger point that I wasn't aware of or has just took me by surprise um, or any struggles that I've got going on. It's just fantastic to be able to speak to somebody in confidence and for them to be able to support wherever you are at and give you, you know, not just guidance but different perspective but also just to hold you where you're at um, and there's nothing more powerful than just being heard by someone and received and accepted by them in a non-judgmental way and for them to be able to enable um, a new perception or perspective of whatever it is that you're going through. 
It's amazing, really, isn't it? The 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 power of just being heard, just oh. just being allowed to say something without yeah. anybody jumping down your throat and saying you should do this and finger wagging. Yeah, absolutely, and not being judged. Um, one of uh, I, I read an article that um, a friend of mine sent me recently by a psychotherapist, and she she put, you know, the power of for for another she was talking about um survivors of abuse the power of being heard and believed is enough mm. and don't get me wrong there's far more work goes into it than that but the the power of that alone is just phenomenal and life changing and life giving to somebody who actually needs that have you been seeing the same person for 18 years? No, um, I've seen several counsellors. Um, I think it's good to... Sometimes I've had to move on. I had a counsellor, she was amazing, um, but sadly she became very ill, so I had to find another counsellor. Um, but no, I've had different counsellors, because I think at different periods of time as I've changed, as, as, as I've evolved through the journey of counselling, it's, it's felt right to find another counsellor and not so it doesn't get particularly stagnant or stayed either to work with somebody fresh um that's that's not right for everybody some people might want to stay with the same person for me personally I've um I've probably had in 18 years about half a dozen different counsellors and the one that I'm with currently I've probably been with her on and off I see her about once every three four weeks I've been with her probably for about the last four years how how would you suggest somebody finds a counsellor? So if if you need to 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 speak mm. to somebody about some some you know trauma that's happened in your life or yeah. or, or whatever, how how well, obviously you've mentioned the, the counselling directory dot co dot uk is as a way to find. But how do you know who's going to be suitable for you? I mean, you can't mm. you know I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm assuming here. I mean, you can't afford to go you know, tr- give everybody a try sort of thing because it would just be reliving everything again and again mm. and again. So. so where do you start for, for for listeners who think they perhaps may need help but um, haven't actually taken the plunge yet? Well, I mean, for me, uh, my initial counsellor, I happen to know her. So um, only from a distance because you can't be seen by a friend. And she no, wasn't, it's, no yeah, absolutely not. She wasn't a friend. She was just somebody that I knew that happened to be a counsellor. So that was a great in for me and, and probably... Um, I don't know, but I might not have gone to see a had I've had to seek out somebody via a counselling directory or what have what have you. Um I'd I would now. Um and everybody on there, as I've realised as I've kind of gone through my own counselling journey and become a counsellor myself, there there's some brilliant people on there. But in actual fact I did when I was looking for my latest counsellor, I actually booked appointments with three different people. Um, because the relationship with the person that you go and see is the key bit because anybody on the directory for example they're all qualified they've all got experience and it's probably read through their profiles and something within their profiles will probably hit you um, or you might like the sounds of them Um, take a couple of numbers at least give two or three a ring even the sound of the voice or how they actually receive you on the other end of the phone because you've got to go on something um but i actually booked an appointment with four i beg your pardon different counselors mm. when i was looking for my most recent one and i did make an appointment with each and every one of them and i just went for an initial kind of conversation 
and just to see how I felt in the room with them, how I connected with them, how they received me. And there was nothing wrong with the other three, but I felt most connected with the last counsellor that I actually saw and she, in my opinion, offered the safest space and that's crucial because you've got to be able to trust this person. That's not going to come immediately, but you've got to feel safe enough to begin to build the trust up with somebody you feel connected to. The relationship is the key bit and that's where you'll actually do your best work. Safety. Um, yes. And feeling safe is just mm. crucial, isn't it? Oh, feeling yeah. safe or feeling like you belong somewhere is, is important. You mentioned earlier on about um, mm. tribes and yeah. not fitting in. Yes. Know, not knowing, as you were kind of growing up as a, as a teenager, not knowing yeah. where you fitted in. A lot of people go through their whole lives. I've never fitted in. Mm. Wherever I've been, I've never, ever fitted in. Yeah. Um, I've had a, a bit of an unusual life over the years. And um, wherever I've been, I've never fitted in. So... Mm. Looking back now in hindsight, what I've actually done unwittingly is built my own tribes. Um, yeah. So that way I do belong because it's, you know, it's I surround myself with like-minded people yes. who've all got the similar kind of approach to life and positivity mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's it, it's also knowing yourself, isn't it? A lot of people go through life not really knowing who they are. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, trying to kind of be somebody that they're not. Mm. And I do worry for the youngsters these days. There's so much pressure on social media. Mm. You know, you've got to be stick thin or you've got to have these... Uh, wiggly eyebrows tattooed on you or you know lips that mm. you know Mick Jagger would be proud of you know? <laughs> so, all, all this artificial know? stuff just to kind of I feel know. like you belong it's, but, it's hopeless but I guess that really demonstrates the need to belong indeed doesn't it? it does yeah it's it's, it's a sad state of affairs yeah. but by, by you know doing all these kind of beautification routines mm. and the orange um, tans that people mm. wear and this sort of thing I mean men as well as women um, it just shows that actually all they're doing is, is they're not differentiating themselves, they're just making themselves look the same as everybody else. Yeah, and, you know, when I was younger um, and, and growing up, the idea of being uniquely me or different to other people was, you know, the worst feeling ever. All I wanted to do was fit in and belong and blend with everybody else. I mean, these days I'm just so grateful for my uniqueness because we all have that don't we Absolutely, you know we, we, we all yeah. are unique which is a fantastic thing uh, but like you I've just created my own tribe to my people um, and at the launch actually it was said by so many people gosh you do have some great people around you some great um, a great network really and source of support and friends and family but and I have but that's been created intentionally and on purpose so everybody that was there um, for me on Saturday was were hand-picked and they're just such amazing individuals that I now have in my life and fit completely with them and not because we're all the same um, you know the diversity within that group is fantastic but there's this sense of belonging and acceptance and people not judging one another. We're just there for each other as we are. And I think that is a very, very special thing. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, we're actually going to hear now a pre-recorded interview I did with a lady a while ago called Chelsea Simpson. And um, Chelsea has a similar story of um, abuse. And uh, at the time I interviewed her, I hadn't 
met anybody in person and certainly hadn't had any guest on the radio uh, with this uh, topic. So it's interesting that uh, my lovely PA, Jessica, has uh, found an interview that's perfectly suited to, to your story, Maddie. Fantastic. So we're going to hear from uh, Chelsea now and then uh, following that will be her, the two songs that um, she's chosen. So we're back with uh, me, Elaine Godley, and uh, I'm in the studio still with the lovely Madeline Slack, who wrote the book, Standing Strong in Vulnerability. So you've heard two uh, amazing stories today, Chelsea Simpson and uh, Maddie Slack's stories of um, how they've overcome uh, some horrendous, horrendous um, situations. So, uh, so Maddie, what's, what's next for you? Well, there's a question. Um... <laughs> leading up to this point I've never really known what's next I've kind of done a bit of a faith walk I think so um what I'd like to um believe could happen as a result of the book is for that to, to find ways to get the book into more and more people's hands that actually need it um and to actually speak out to more people um about abuse acknowledging the devastating effects of it of it um but also to um offer that lifeline of hope really and belief that you actually can begin to um channel some of that awful uh trauma and experience of your past into something much greater for a happier future so i'd love to do more speaking events and speak that out to as many people as possible really because i just think more people need to hear it absolutely and, and also when you're sharing your story um it's it's cathartic for you as well isn't it because it's yeah. it's uh it's almost um i wouldn't say closure is the wrong word but it's kind of you know, this is me. You know mm. that that uh, the greatest showman song that's yeah. frequently requested on this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's here it's you are. Song. This is what's happened. But mm. you've come through it, and and other people can come through it as well. It's true. It's a kind of a real sense of owning yourself. Um, and one of the things that I talk about in the book is kind of leaning into your truth and actually um, owning what that means to you and returning back to who you're actually were always intended to be. And that's what I think as you know, the journey that I've taken on and that anybody can. It goes back to kind of peeling back the layers that we talked about earlier, taking the armour off essentially um, and not getting rid of the vulnerability that is the very thing that has us connecting to other people but instead finding a way to be strong within that um and that's my message that I actually really passionately want to get out there to lots of people and that's the message that I talk about through the book as well so listeners who may have been affected by this uh, story and Chelsea's uh, story as well um there's a counselling directory you mentioned, yes. counselling services, no, what is it called? Yeah, the counselling directory, um, and they can find, just Google that, counselling directory, it'll come up to the top of the page, literally click on the link, put in your own postcode, um, and then all and any counsellors that are in your area will come up and you can read their profiles, um, find somebody who you like the sounds of, um, go and see a couple of those people and see who you connect best with um, and that's the start of a, a journey that's going to be much better probably than the one so far certainly more authentic to who you are 
Okay, brilliant. And uh, as I've mentioned before on the show today, the Samaritan's number is 116123. You dial that number and um, there'll be somebody there to help right. if you feel the need and if the, the show has inspired you to, to speak out, um, you can speak to trained volunteers there as well. So the next song, uh, Maddie, is another one that you've chosen, Never Alone, uh, by Lady Antebellum and other people as well. Why did you choose this one? It, it's not so much the song in actual fact. Um, it's the group. They've got such a soulful tone. And personally, when I listen to them sing, it's just really soothing. And that's that's kind of why I like them. It's nice being a, a radio presenter because I get to hear music that I've never heard. I've never heard with this group before. Really, they've got a real country folk edge. And like I say, it's just really soothing to the soul, I think. Brilliant. OK, here, here they are. So this is uh, Jim Brickman featuring Hilary Scott and Lady Antebellum with Never Alone. May the angels protect you. So we come to the end of another programme. I always say every week, I can't believe how quickly two hours goes. So uh, thank you so much, Maddie Slack, for coming in to uh, join me in the studio today and for sharing your heartfelt story. You're very welcome. And you, I agree with you. It's absolutely flown by. I've just loved it. Thank you. You're most welcome. So uh, Standing Strong in Vulnerability, find that on Amazon. And um, that's a, a very personal account of recovery from sexual abuse uh, with uh, with Madeline Slack. And uh, thank you also to Chelsea Simpson for her story sharing earlier on today. And don't forget, if you need it, Samaritans is 116123. And uh, have a lovely, lovely week, whatever you're doing. And uh, I will be on air next Tuesday, four o'clock. In the meantime, have a fantastic, happy, healthy week. And here is Katie Perry playing out with Raw. <laughs>